Welcome to Hal's Hit List with hip Hollywood legend Hal Williams. TV and film expert Hal will take you on a journey through all the streaming and in the theaters. Hey there, good morning, good afternoon, good day. This is Hal Williams here with Hal's Hit List. We're going to be discussing the Oscars, all the nominated movies and the actors and their performances. And Charlotte Hamprick is here with being my rock. My right arm, my left arm, my back. She got me covered, baby. I need all the help I can get. So welcome and enjoy hello. yourselves. Here we go, Charlotte. Hello, hello, hello. So we're gonna start because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the Academy and the Academy's history with Black America. So I want to start off with you sharing with me exactly how you got into the Academy. Well, um, I guess a long story, but I'll do the best I can about it. I um, I was working at a theater called LA Actors Theater. It was a free theater started by Ralph Waite, the actor who played the father on Waltons. And I did the Waltons for five years. He produced a couple of movies. Anyway, I got involved with the board and I was a, a real uh, stall, I don't know, uh, a stalemate there at the time. But what happened was I got involved with doing several plays, one of which was Good uh, Midnight Moon at the Greasy Spoon. I'm very excited. That's why I'm stumbling. Midnight Moon at the Greasy Spoon started Ford Rainey and John Marley. John Marley was famous in the Godfather movie. He's the guy that cut off the horse's head and got the, his horse's head cut off, put it in the bed with him so he would give this actor a doggone part in the movie. But anyway, John and Ford Rainey and I did this play Midnight Moon at the Greasy Spoon. And from there, they sponsored me into the Academy. And that's how I got in there. Um, uh, from that point on, I was uh, very active in the Academy, always have been. Look forward to uh, participating in some of the things that the Academy stood for and was enforcing, even though diversity at that time wasn't that great. I don't know. I bet you we didn't have more than 28 people of color in the whole Academy, which is about 8,500 people at that time. I don't know, but I was glad to have been accepted by the board and everything. Now, in 2019, they invited 842 people, invited them to join the Academy. And in 2018, it was 900-some, only because the thing about diversity came up several seasons ago, and they were criticized for having a lack of diversity in the Oscar program. So they've been trying to cure that and get that straightened out. And I've been giving my wholehearted support to that. And I'm all for the Academy. And we're slowly getting there. We got a long way to go, but we're getting there. It's happening now. We're getting there. But on that same topic, I mean, you know, it was 1940. That's a long time ago well, yeah. when Hattie McDaniels won her first Oscar for Supporting Actress. And as the story goes, for Gone with the Wind, she wasn't even allowed in the room. They no. had to like bring her through the kitchen, get her award, and then send her out. They weren't allowed in the hotel. No blacks in the hotel. Really, in the whole hotel. There were no that's, blacks allowed. That's crazy. And then it took another <laughs> 24 years. Yeah. And then Sidney Poitier got a nomination in 1964 for Best Actor in Lilies of the Field. Right. And then, then we'll and Denzel Washington, um, fast forward to Halle Berry. Denzel Washington actually is two for Glory and Training Day, and then Halle Berry, and then Viola Davis. Yeah. And um, 
Viola Davis, I know, you know, she's made, they, she made a comment that they call her the black Merle Street. And she said she wished she had the Merle Street money. money. <laughs> I understand, I understand. That does not, she does not have that. But, um, but, you know, like you said, you're happy to see things are moving forward. And with the acceptance of Netflix and all the streamers, right, that's all right. also opened it up a little bit for more diversity as well. Um, I, I know you had a lot of movies to get through. Um, when the nominations came out, there were some surprises and there were some snubs and we're going to get to all of that. So I thought it might be easier. Um, I want to hear, you know, what, what made your hit list, what didn't make the hit list. So um, let's just start and go through the list in alphabetical order, if that's okay with you. Um, with everything that got, got nominated for Best Picture. And if something comes up when we're discussing it, whether it's a supporting actor or director, you know it's your show, do your thing. Okay, let's yes, start with The Father. <laughs> the Father was uh, a very interesting movie because it dealt with the oncoming dementia with Anthony Hopkins. I, uh, I enjoyed the film. Uh, it brought back memories of my own personal life and having to deal with uh, my parents, my sister, and the uh, thing, what it what it brought to light was that uh, uh, the the things that that happen to people that they're happening to you at the time, but you don't know how they affect the other people. And then the film itself showed me how some of the things came down, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, how they were dealt with, how the how the things were handled by people. So um, Anthony's approach to it and how he handled it, uh, I think were commendable and difficult for him to achieve, but I enjoyed the film. And as I said, it was very informative and very uh, eye-opening for me to realize how my situation did not compare to others because I just didn't see the whole picture. It depends on who the participants are in the unfortunate situation and how they process information and how they react with the, the emotion of the thing as you are watching a beloved one slowly fade away. So you so you think it's a learning experience um, as well as a fine film put together quite well? Yes, I do. Very I know. well. I, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tony, Sir Anthony Hopkins a few times, but he made history with being the oh, oldest ever oldest, to be yes. nominated for an Oscar in the uh, male category. So that's exciting. Right. And his co-star also got a supporting nod, but the director did not get a nod. Um, but these things happen as they say, did the movie direct itself? Oh. I don't know. You pick eight movies and only five directors, somebody's going to get left out, which brings me to Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. This is one that I, you know, I want to let it breathe and I want to talk about it. I want to hear some of your historical perspectives of what was going on during that period, because it feels kind of real today, if you ask me. Judas and the Black Messiah, Shaka King was the director. He did not he get a nomination, no, no, but his no. two actors got supporting nominations. So talk to me a little bit about like how that works. Well, that works on account of the studios themselves. Uh, it happens, it's, it's happened before where two actors where I would have thought that one was the lead and best actor and the other one was the best supporting actor in the same vehicle. But a lot of it depends on who the uh, 
the promotional team was. A lot of it is geared to how the studio um, put out their production and publications and all the juice that they provided for the film. A lot of that comes from that. I think that um, there's an element within the Academy hierarchy when they know, don't know what to do with something, they just throw the two actors together in one thing. And, and, and one shut, eventually one will shut the other one out. We know that. So uh, it would have been better, I think, with all that Daniel got in terms of hype, and it was quite a bit of it. And what he's done in the past couple of seasons, uh, the things he's been in, more people recognize some of, the, some of his work than Lakeith's work. And not, to me, it was not so much that they were on even keel, but the, the substance of what they were, were involved in was so diversely different. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with how the membership of the Academy is made up. Absolutely. A lot of people may not recall, but they were both in Get Out. So Jordan Peele yeah. definitely had an eye for talent, without a doubt. Right. Um, so I, I want to hear from you on a personal note. Um, you were in uh, California. California was where the Black Panthers started with Bobby right. Seale and Huey mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of branched out into the Chicago aspect of it. What, did, what do you remember um, uh, during that time when you were hearing about Black Panthers? Well, I had just come here from as a, a single parent with three small children and trying to get my career going, but I was involved in a lot of activism, community activism through my church and my uh, Reverend uh, James M. Lawson Jr., who was a disciple of uh, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King. So there was a lot of stuff I was involved in. And Ron Karenga, who uh, created Kwanzaa and a lot of other activities for the people, for the community. Uh, I would go to all kinds of community meetings and activism uh, instructions were given from up north, from the Panthers and everything. And there was an element, a small contingent of Panther people in places like Compton and Carson, California. And I lived near that area, so I was involved, not heavily, but because I was working nights, trying to take care of my children, get my community, my career started, and be aware of what was going on. But not to the depth that uh, I know now of the, how our government was behind so many things. Well, I mean, some people say the reason why we have gun control in California right now <laughs> is because Reagan and the Black Panthers, and he saw all those guys with their berets and their guns and yeah. open carry. It's yeah. like, what, you know, that got rid of open carry pretty fast in California, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> really yeah, yeah. fast. Matter of fact, I, I just got, I just applied for concealed carry myself. I oh, just really? Yeah, I just took a course because after what happened, I had already taken it last fall because I'm no guru, but I can see where some of this is going with Proud Boys and all this other stuff that's going on in the country. I can see where things could go, and I don't want to be, uh, I'd, bet less, I'd best find, let somebody find me with it than find me without it. So, You're strapping. But <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I applied for concealed care. And as I'm long, having my interview in July. As long as you know how to use it, that's oh, I just took the training course, refresher course. I've had I've had four courses in uh and even in the Palm Springs area, I opened the uh, uh gun handle uh course for the Palm Springs Police Department 12 years ago. 
I was in there first class simply because I wanted to know how to properly handle a weapon in my work as a professional actor because I've seen uh, different shows, police shows and, and uh, criminal shows where people are running around with their finger on the trigger and all that kind of stuff, which is stuff you never do. You never put your finger on that trigger unless you're going to shoot. You, know, you put your finger next to the barrel and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, That's a lesson to be learned. Stuff, yeah, it is. <laughs> you need to get proper training, you know. So, but they were trying. They didn't want us being armed, and they did everything in their world they could to prevent it. Once they saw the potential was there. And the FBI, my goodness, that was a scary, scary story. But on the acting aspect of this, um, not on the historical point, um, I had read that Daniel um, had an opera coach to help him with his voice um, mm -hmm. because of the speeches and the way Captain um, Chairman Hampton spoke um, right. was, was very different from the way he spoke on an everyday level. And um, I also heard that Lakeith, when he finished the role, he had to go into therapy. I mean, does that ever happen where you're just so method or you're so into a role that it just gets into your soul that it's, you, it's hard to shake? More so, that it, more so than, than method uh, is how the depth of research and uh, what you want to create. And, and what you want to become in depicting that character, how deep the character is, how deep you go into yourself to pull that character out of there. What can you, through sense, memory, and other things, pull out from your own past experience something similar so that you can enact, in, enact and depict this individual who is nothing like you? I see. I see. Well, I just want to leave on that note. And also what stuck with me, and I just want to leave it with our audience, is at the time when the FBI assassinated this young man, the Messiah, that's called in the movie, he was only 21 years old. Right. And the informant, when they started grooming him, was only 17 years old. Right. And that's right. heartbreaking. Um, so now I want to move on to Mank, which... Um, <laughs> I know we both laugh because we yeah. know that is just sort of like textbook academy, yeah. you know, member. Old school. Old school. Old school. Tell me why this could actually even sneak in there and win best picture. Just well, because of the kind of things that, uh, that Gary Oldman has done uh, recently and in the past, uh, you're dealing with the old studio system and how it really ran and all of that. Orson Welles and all the other things, black and white film, uh, giving it history and, and authenticity, and uh, uh, something out of the out of the ordinary for this for this generation, you know. So I think because of the makeup of the membership of the academy, there's still enough old stalwarts who believe in and appreciate can appreciate this film and what it really is all about. Power, studio power. I heard that. Well, I'm not sure if the audience knows, but I just wanted to also give a little note that David Fincher, who I'm sure, you know, <clears throat> people know from all of his uh, fight club and, you know, and so forth and working with Brad Pitt. But this particular script was a script that his father wrote. His father's no longer with us, but his father wrote this script and then he picked it up to direct it. That I thought was a really touching, moving story that right. I, I did not know. But um, uh, that like you said, earned Gary Oman an actor and Amanda Siegfried got a supporting actress not um, playing Marion Davies in this uh, this particular movie. 
There's one that I know is a Korean film. Um, well, I don't know if it is a Korean film because that was a, a bit of a controversy because they it does have subtitles, which is Minardi. Oh, um, and yeah. the R sounds like a D, so it looks like Minari, but apparently that's not how it's pronounced. And that's directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And the actor got a nod, and so did the supporting actress in this film. What are your thoughts? Right, right. right. Well, I think uh, uh, even though it has subtitles and stuff like that, uh, I think the the very um, the heart and soul of the film and what it's all about touches some people uh, today, and they can identify. You know, especially with what all is going on in our world today, uh, and I think that helped picking up uh, a, a lot of a following for it, you know, uh, where it was shot, the, the, the very, the running thing throughout the film and everything. I think that's helping it along, or really helping it along, more so than anybody realized until these final nominations came out. So it's, so it's about family. So you find that being a, a universal, yeah. um, you know, Korean film actually won the Oscar last year, Parasite. So um, I told you, I, passed, that, I told you, my grandkids had me watching that doggone thing. Drove me nuts. I said, my granddaughter. I said, what is this? Then my grandson, Grandpa, this so and so. Said, I said, you're not seeing the same thing I see. I thought, no, uh, uh, no, 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 no. And then it wins. It wins. Get out. Get out. Get their Oscar. I know it's. To each his own, but you know what? Every vote counts, and uh, you you didn't win on that one. Um, another one that I think is sort of tailor made to the, you know, Academy members, um, but you can maybe speak to that more, which is Nomadland, and, oh, yeah, and, and tell, tell our audience, Francis you know, what what that's about, um, because just by the title, you know, you really don't know what it's about. So what, what explain well, people have become about. unemployed for one reason or another and their circumstances, man, their, their futures become very uncertain. They have lost homes, lost uh, productivity, having to go find something to do that can sustain themselves. And they have these caravans that go looking for work city to city. They're on the road like a bunch of nomads. They're trying to find something, you know, uh, uh, I would say that it could equate some way in what we have now and people standing in line trying to get stimulant money and trying to get food and all this other kind of stuff to lose your, your total financial existence. That's a hard thing to face, especially if you got family. So these people are in vans and pickups and everything, traveling around, trying to find work. And you're in your 60s, and these are supposedly your golden years, your sure. retirement years, and no, etc. No, no, they ran out of gold. They started handing out copper and then pewter. <laughs> I heard that those days. But what do you think about Frances McDermott's performance? And she's 65 herself. So, um, what do you think about that and the choices she made? Well, she's she's a strong woman. Uh, even little, she she processes everything about a production before she puts her name on the line to depict the character in terms of where it's going to be shot, uh, the attitudes, what kind of people. I understand they used a lot of local people and she had something to do with the hiring of local individuals because she wanted to work with real people. She didn't want makeup on the set. She wanted to be made up with her own skin uh, pigmentation and pockmarks and all kinds of stuff for realism and stuff. 
and uh, I don't know about swarthy image, but leathery face from wind and being out on the road and all that kind of stuff went into the production. So uh, she throws herself completely into a role. I know that. It seems like it really did touch a, touch the hearts of a lot, a lot of people. She's already got two Oscars sitting on her shelf. Um, some think that this may be a third. Uh, don't Good know. Good possibility. Good possibility, I think. Okay. All right. Well, then <laughs> there's one that's a little different from, you know, some of the diversity that we're finding, which it is quite diverse, the list. Uh, promising Young Woman. A very disturbing movie <laughs> for me. Because <laughs> that's a mis that title is a misnomer, in my opinion, because there was nothing promising about what she did and what kind of person she was and what the theme and uh, and the backstory was on the whole thing because it's tricky and you keep trying to keep up with it as it goes along and you say, where's this going? What is this? You know, uh, why, why? And then, you know, and like I said, I'm not gonna give away anything, but it was disturbing for me, but well done, but well done. It's just like a certain actors, uh, that I see in a film and I said, I couldn't stand her in that film. I mean, she was excellent. I mean, she was oh, excellent. Cool. Was, I, said, I hate her damn guts in that film. Well, I, <laughs> what was he doing? I couldn't stand. But that was that kid. He made me believe it. He made me believe that. Right. That's, that's, that's excellent. Well, that's Carrie Mulligan, who is definitely getting noticed for her role in that movie. Um, that film was directed by a woman. You yeah. probably could have guessed that yeah. <laughs> in the direction that it went. And so was No Man's Land. So that's two women directors that got nominated for Best Director. That's a first in Academy history. Right. So uh, kudos to those women. And um, I, I feel the same way, Promising Young Women. It definitely does touch on the whole Me Too movement. And um, yeah. I think that will resonate with people um, and uh, they will take away that but at the same time it's a dark comedy you probably think oh my god i can't believe i just laughed at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so now uh we're down to the last two uh sound of metal yeah um what you know tell the audience what it's about well, and then a, a like, drummer oh, a drummer who loses his hearing and also it has to, uh, to, to go and try to uh, be around people who are hearing impaired and, uh, and how they deal with what they don't feel is a, is a disability, uh, how he maintains his addictions and other things that uh, he has been going, going through in his private and personal life and how to overcome and hopefully uh, regain uh, his, his uh, faculties and his his ability to perform and be successful. Uh, the young man, I understand, went through a lot of things preparing for that role uh, in terms of research, in terms of being around people who are really were uh, uh, having to live that way and uh, to take all that on. And, and, and through meditation, I understand, he was able to absorb a lot of stuff that he didn't feel uh, uh, he necessarily had to do just for the film that it helped him as an individual also. That's Raz Ahmad. 
who got a Best Actor nomination for yeah. the role in this film. I also heard that um, he didn't know how to play the drums and he um, learned how to play the drums, which was a requirement for the role right. um, uh, the director shared with him. And he also learned how to sign. Um, so yeah. uh, he, he took a lot away from this film. And I, I definitely think it's a well-deserved uh, honor on his part. And, uh, but the director uh, did not get nominated. Uh, no. But I think that, you know, best picture says a lot in itself because that's a collective of the acting, the cinematography, the music and everything coming together. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, you should feel proud if you get nominated for a best picture. Well, last, yeah. last but not least is uh, the trial of the Chicago seven, which is set in a similar time period um, and same place, same location of uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So um, I'm so anxious to hear your thoughts about this. And then I'll share some little tidbits that I heard about the, the film. Well, I, I, told, I, I told some other people the other day, Frank, Frank Langella and Abby Hoffman, the names that they, Judge Hoffman and Abby's name in the, in the pictures was kind of a running joke with me. But also when Yaya, who was the chairman of the Black Panther Party and Fred Hammond was sitting right behind him and whispering over his ear and the judge kept saying, uh, uh, you don't have an attorney, but I'm talking about the guy right behind you that keeps whispering in your ear and everything. And one thing that came out in the film and a lot of people probably didn't notice that Yaya pointed out that the night they murdered Fred Hampton, one of the officers made sure he shot him in the shoulder and the arm so that he couldn't lift his weapon and fire back, couldn't return fire. Then they shot him in the head to make sure he was dead. Uh, well, Yaya, that, that, Yaya played the role of Bobby Sill, in case the audience yeah. doesn't know, yeah. uh, who was sort of wrapped up in the trial of the Chicago 7 when he really didn't have anything to do with it. He'd only been in town for a few hours right. and um, what uh, the prosecution thought would be a good idea to have, you know, an angry black man, particularly, you know, the co-founder of the Black Panthers. Of course. Um, of course. So, so as part of the trial. And make um, that case stronger. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so he didn't have representation and he kept saying so. So they held him in contempt for, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 times, which added up to the longest ever sentence in, uh, yeah. in history. Um, so that, that whole dynamics was, you know, pretty interesting. Um, and that whole conversation that you were saying between Chairman Hampton from Judas and the Black Messiah and Bobby Sill uh, that was the crossover that you saw. But uh, some of the issues that Black Lives Matter are dealing yeah, with right, right now with right. police brutality, um, you know, overextension of the FBI, FBI and organizations and, you know, in, in, infiltration, having infiltration. in these organizations um, and just, you know, who, who started the riots you know, in many instances, how did the riots get started? That was a question that was asked in the trial of the Chicago 7. And this was directed by Aaron Sorkin. And what I heard was this was a film that Steven Spielberg wanted to do. Uh -huh. And Steven Spielberg hired Aaron Sorkin, who was a writer, 
at the time, only a writer, not a director, to write the script. And fast forward, you know, other projects come along and, you know, the magic of Hollywood, how things come together. Then here you go. And Aaron Sorkin, who did not get nominated for a director, but his film got nominated for Best Picture, went on to direct the film. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, So I'm not going to go through, like, let's not go through every category, but um, I do want to talk about going back to the lead acting role. I just want to bring up Chadwick Boseman from Myrani's Black Bottom and um, hear your thoughts on that because that movie didn't get nominated, so it didn't, we didn't touch on it yet. No, I think his performance, his, his legacy, his whole career. Uh, merits that he should have gotten a, a special award, uh, aside from uh, the four or five people that are up for uh, best actor, you know. Uh, I'm kind of a, a member of the school of Marlon Brando and uh, other actors in the past who are, are against best anything, George C. Scott. I remember Marlon Brando sent little Sashing <laughs> Little Flower to the Academy Awards with Little Indian Girl this protest the fact that he wasn't showing up for the stuff. But anyway, I thought, uh, I watched him from uh, 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 Black Panther and then uh, Jackie Robinson's story, 42, uh, when he played um, uh, in uh, 21 Bridges. And when it got to Ma Rainey, I could see the third time I watched it, that physically, how he was wasting away because of the illness and everything. It showed up in his face and, and everything. And, uh, but it did not affect his ability to be prepared. And I remember um, uh, Spike Lee and Delroy Lindo even saying in the five bloods, uh, he was a little late transportation problem getting, getting to the set wherever they were shooting on location, Vietnam or otherwise. And they thought they'd have to sustain some time for him to catch up. They had to catch up to him. He was more than prepared when he arrived. So that's a, that's kudos to him for having that kind of work ethic and being that involved and loving. That's what you do. That's what happens when you love what you do. It sounds like he did. And and August Wilson, you uh, in you know wrote that piece and. Um, and maybe that you know could have something to do with why the film didn't get nominated. Whereas that the two lead actors, you know Viola Davis, and mm. you know and and um, he got nominated, and the movie didn't was because sometimes you know when you um, you bring an August Wilson play to the screen, right? Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know. Um... It depends. Uh, you know, there are theater crowds and there are movie crowds, and they're vastly different. Uh, when you realize the, the kind of work, theater is hard work. You know, theater is hard work. I'd rather, much rather, I'd rather do a TV show or a movie just for the money, but I'd rather for myself do a play. That's true working. And you cannot say stop tape. You can't say back up. The reward for you is the response you get from the audience as to whether you're on top on top of anything. And, uh, and that's my reward. Anytime I, I do a play, you can bet it's something that I'm not allowed, uh, underscored, allowed to do on film or in television. So um, I think that uh, that that change, that, uh, that media change in entertainment for the performers depends on how you train 
where you got started and what you appreciate and what you need in here to, to satisfy the need that you have in here. So um, I, uh, I love the theater. I love the theater. I know some people will say, well, you know, he was good in that picture, but he wasn't as good as he was in the, the play, so on, so on, so on, that kind of thing. You can't do that because the motivation is different, much different. Well, I just know that I don't act, <laughs> but I sure love myself some films. Um, so in the supporting character, we already talked about, you know, Daniel and, and Lakeith, but um, there's also Sasha Baron Cohen, who's nominated, and Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going back to the supporting role because I want to talk about Leslie. Leslie, who is a musician who played Sam Cooke um, and also got nominated for original song in this as well. Um, what are your thoughts there? Well, a lot of a lot of people don't remember him uh, from from Hamilton. You know, uh, yes. He's so great in I, Hamilton. Oh you know. my goodness, you're I, right. I have, I, I have a, a, a young man that I was mentored for from time he was like three months old. He used to be my neighbor, and I sponsored him through college and then into uh, Broadway and joining the Union Actors Equity and everything. He covered three parts in uh, Hamilton. And so I got to go to uh, New York, visiting my daughter in DC, come over to New York twice and saw him in it. That's where I saw uh, Leslie Autumn, you know, and to see him do that and then do this Sam Cooke thing. When I first saw him being interviewed on TV about the film, I didn't realize it was him. No, I didn't, you know, and I said, oh my God, that's the kid from from Hamilton, so and so, he's in this. Oh, wait a minute, hey, you know, but he's he's marvelous. He's marvelous. He's marvelous in the thing. That's great. So, um, this this film didn't get a lot of awards, but uh, the Academy did single out Audra Day um, right. in United States versus Billie Holiday. Um, and then you have Vanessa Kirby. We talked about Frances McDormand. We talked about Carrie Mulligan, but and Viola, of course. Yes, you know, so I'd love to hear you um, juxtaposition Viola and Audra, not because they're both African-American, just the roles that they played. Well, I think uh, kudos to, uh, to uh, Audra pulling off what she did because it was her first time out the box, you know, really. I mean, to do what she did, I hey, I had I I marveled at her nuances, uh, uh, all her choices. I don't know who her coach was or if she had a coach or what she did, but uh, I watched it twice. And uh, and an interesting thing, watching that film brought back memories of uh, the Chicago Seven and the Judas and the Messiah because again they set out to get rid of that woman. They, the, the, thought of the, the hierarchy in our criminal justice and system and the FBI and everybody else, they set out to destroy her, you know, because they were protecting what we're doing, dealing with now. White supremacy. And the whole thing, they all three are linked together. She handled herself extremely well. Whereas with Viola, Viola's done everything. It took her a while, but then it's like crescendo. It always came up and just engulfed her, whether it's TV or theater or movies or whatever. How to get away with murder, fences, everything, you know, 
and and just and 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 justly so. She should have been because she's very qualified. And uh, to see that body of work finally be recognized and appreciated uh, is tremendous. Well, that's 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 true. Um, the one thing Lee Daniels um, can get a performance, particularly out of female mm. um, uh, actors, um, because um, Gabrielle, Gabrielle, what is it? Says uh, I know it's going to screw that up. Uh, he got a Best Actor uh, nomination for her. Um, so so he definitely. I'm going to come back to that. He definitely knows how to get performance. He got a performance out of um, Mariah Carey as well. Excellent. Yeah, true, 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 true. You know, so he, uh, Gabourey, Gabourey Seventy. That's who I was thinking of. Um, okay, so let's uh, start wrapping this up. But I, I want to talk about um, something that did not get nominated. Um, and uh, every, a lot of people call, call it a snub. I don't really like that word, but that's how they refer to it. And that's Regina King, best director, um, and also her film. Um, they can go up to 10 movies, but for yeah. some reason they kept it at eight and uh, her film did not get nominated. Uh, but uh, let's talk about Regina. Regina, uh, let the audience know how you know Regina and uh, your thoughts on her career, because uh -huh. I, I think it deserves, we should single her out right now. Um, so why don't you take the floor? Go ahead. I'm very proud of her. I'm very proud that I've spent uh, five straight years with her, six straight years with her when I first met her and her family. Her sister, Raina, was the artist, was the real actor at the time. She's been done a lot of commercials and guest stars on TV and everything. And Regina hadn't done much of anything but take lessons with Betty Bridges, a coach. But uh, she came into the play, uh, 227, which was written by Christine Houston out of a Norman Lear's writing class. Christine lives in Chicago. We did the play. I was talked into doing that play, re replacing an actor temporarily, which as it turned out, I replaced him permanently playing opposite Marla. And then Scoey Mitchell brought Norman Lear and Brandon Tartikoff to see the play. And like they said, the rest is history. They said it would be an excellent TV show. Uh, and we went on, spent five wonderful years together. I took it upon myself personally to be mentors for she and Curtis Baldwin, the two kids in the show, because I wanted to teach them to be proud of what they do and do it well. Carry themselves professionally at all times and do, don't be... Uh, don't laugh because you make a mistake. Correct that mistake and be proud that you know what it was and you were able to do so. Because a lot of people would love to see you fail. And so she is the one person out of all the people involved in the show that I mentored and she listened. And then she got in with, uh, with John doing uh, the Poetic Justice and other films along the way when she was really getting into drama uh, and come on along when she had the Southland TV series, she was a, a integral part of the staff, of the cast, stood out very well. And then she got into feature films. I was shocked because I didn't know she had an interest in directing. I just uh -huh. knew she, was, she had won two Emmys and an Oscar. 
I knew about her film thing. I knew she had dabbled in it from time to time, uh, but I didn't know she really wanted to pursue it until I heard about this movie uh, one night in Miami. And I said, well, what is that? It's a thing I heard, it's a thing she did with Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali. I said, that's not possible because she couldn't have done it with them. They said, well, it's about them in a mythical meeting. I said, oh, okay. And then I heard more and more about it. And she's been on every publication and every throwaway paper, everything. I opened something the other day. There she was standing with a rose. I said, girl, you just following daddy around. Give daddy a job. So, you know, but she's wonderful and I'm very proud of her. Well, 227 was an amazing show. And at that time, to go, you know, five seasons was just almost unheard of. You know, we didn't see a lot of Black characters, particularly married with children, you know, on television at that time. And you spoke of something um, throughout our conversation today. You talk about mentoring and um, uh, on so many levels. So was that, was that something that you consciously made sure you did in your career? Yeah, because uh, I'm a funny kind of guy, and when, especially when it comes to my profession and the way I was raised by my great-grandmother, my uncles, and uh, uh, I was not really raised by my mother and father. I was left in my great-grandmother's house during that time in the early 40s because my parents could go out and work and make money. Private family, as they call it, kitchen mechanics and stuff, but as I came up, I, that, that thing was to give me a strong, strong, strong work ethic and a great uh, respect for females, for women, how a woman was supposed to be treated. You know, uh, any man that I had no respect for any man to put his hands on a woman. And my uncle said, if you have a woman you have to beat, leave her. You don't need her. That's the kind of thing they would say to me from their old school, you know. And I sat around with old people a lot because I said, People I know, my age don't know nothing. So the only way to learn something is from the older people. So they mentored me. And as I grew older, I mentored. And I'm still doing it. It's, it's a habit. If the kids will listen. If they don't want to listen, it's on them. It's on them. How's bringing the truth? We're going to bring the truth every week moving forward. I have to say, you are a perfect gentleman. And I love the time I get to spend with you, but I want you to tell our audience what's on your hit list and what we're gonna uh, be talking about next week. Well, next week we're gonna talk about the, the wonderful, wonderful Eddie Murphy. Okay. Uh, coming to America, coming to America too. Uh, he's a family man. Gonna tell you a lot of stuff about behind the scenes Eddie Murphy that you didn't realize and the comeback that he's getting ready to start. So it's gonna be wonderful. Make sure you're here, don't miss it. Make sure you are here, tape it, whatever you have to do. But we'll be back to let you know what's going on on the hit list. All things Eddie Murphy. Thank you, Hal. It was wonderful spending you, this time Charlotte. with you. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. <laughs>